0: Is there anybody who really does hate Christmas who's actually bothered to turn up? One. Very good. Three cheers for Al. Thank you very much indeed. Um, the bad news, of course, is if you're a Christmas hater, you really can't uh, get rid of it, can you? Because it's basically everywhere at this time of year, everywhere you go. I was even uh, at the airport a couple of weeks ago flying out of the country, and even there, over the little check in desk, there was a little sprig of mistletoe hanging down. So I said to the uh, lady at the check in desk, oh, what's that for? And she said, well, that's, that's where you kiss your luggage goodbye. <laughs> Round one. <laughs> when you're a kid, of course, Christmas does take a, quite a long time to come, doesn't it, really? It's, uh, it drags on and on and on. The fact that the shops kind of get Christmas going in October doesn't really help most of us, does it? If you're a little kid, as soon as you see the first Christmassy thing out in the shops, you think countdown to Christmas has begun. The reality is, if that's October, you're going to spend a quarter of your whole life waiting for Christmas, which no wonder it really drags. Even Advent calendars don't particularly help, do they? You know, you've got 24, 25 doors, and when you finally get to December and you think Christmas is always here, it's one painstaking door after another, isn't it? Just one slow door, and then you see the big sea of unopened doors telling you it's miles to go. Uh, Although I have to say Advent calendar is a lot better than when I was a kid now. You open them now there's chocolates in them some of them there's toys pretty soon there'll be money in them won't you you get a little kid opens it up but what's under day four? Oh, 10 pound note thanks very much i'll have that if you like my my kind of age you know mum would always get the same one out of the loft every year yeah yeah you'd you'd, you'd open door five it's a picture of a pony brilliant fantastic christmas is christmas is well on the way the big bonus you do get, though, of, uh, of the Advent calendars, I suppose, if you're a kid, is it does build the sense of excitement and anticipation, doesn't it? The sense that, you know, Christmas is just one door nearer, one day nearer to arriving, and you get that kind of sense of excitement and anticipation building up, which even you may experience, well, what's going to be in the stocking? Is it going to snow? Probably is, who knows. What's the telly going to be like? Is it going to be rubbish like last year and the year before and the year before? The real sense of excitement. What presents am I going to get, which is building up? My daughter's obviously looking forward to Christmas. She asked me this year, can I have a puppy for Christmas? I said, no, you're having turkey like the rest of us. <laughs> Round two. <laughs> I tell you what I'm looking forward to for Christmas most of all. I have to say is Christmas dinner. Uh, turkey, sausages, stuffing. Works potatoes, parsnips, sprouts, big sprouts friends, yeah? Do you know what they've done this year? Have you seen in the news this year? To, to make sprouts better, I love sprouts as they are, they now make purple sprouts. Top, yeah, it's not, it's not even a joke this one, this is true. Top scientists have put their minds together, they've put the cure to cancer to one side and they've put their minds to working on a purple sprout. The reason is this, one, one sprout grower said this in the news this week, kids have always hated sprouts, We hope purple sprouts will make them more appealing. Yeah, good luck with that. That's going to work, isn't it? The kids will be queuing up, putting away the chocolate, just give me the purple sprouts. What about for the first Christmas, though? Just to jump back suddenly 2,000 years, we've got this sense of anticipation excitement building up. Was that the case then, 2,000 years ago? Obviously, for the first Christmas, no one was getting excited about presents and Santa and turkey and reindeer. Someone who was expecting, quite literally, was Mary, Jesus' mum. She had the misfortune to be heavily pregnant, expecting her first baby, and had to trek halfway across the country for a census. You can imagine the kind of uh, first mum, first baby kind of excitement. Oh, when's the baby coming? Oh, what's it going to be like? Is it going to be okay? Wow. Oh, is it going to come anytime soon? I mean, obviously, the time when she was sitting on the donkey, travelling along the Hebrew equivalent of the A27, she was probably thinking... Please, not now. This is not the time I want the baby to arrive. I don't think anyone, even Mary, would have put in her game plan, sort of squatting by the side of the road, going into labor, waving at people passing by. Just going into labor. Firstborn child. Feel free to watch. And yet she had this sense of excitement building up. And in fact, the whole nation, the whole country of Israel at the time, there was a growing sense of anticipation that they were waiting for someone The country as a whole was waiting for something to happen. So uh, we've seen Mary wasn't the only one expecting 2,000 years ago for the first Christmas. Uh, Nobody really in Bethlehem was obviously expecting the classic Christmas, the turkey, the reindeer, the presents, the tree, etc. Partly because uh, people now think that Jesus wasn't actually born in December after all. Most scholars are of the opinion that Jesus was born in early August. So, expecting Christmas all you like, technically you've missed it by several months, but we'll keep going with it. Of course, the main reason was that there was no Christmas until Jesus was born. But people were expecting someone. The Jewish people had this big sense of anticipation building up because they were expecting a hero sent from God called the Messiah, referred to in the Old Testament of the Bible as the Messiah. The Jews were God's kind of people, they were in the land of Israel, and they were oppressed by the Roman Empire. They, they'd gone from being their own nation to being just a tiny little province at the back end of the Roman Empire, and they hated it. It was, I suppose it's kind of like Chechnya with Russia today, or Tibet, and China. There's this little tiny nation who are having rule and government imposed upon them by a huge empire. And their kind of, uh, characteristics and their freedom and their culture and their national pride has all been denied to them by this Roman Empire. So the Jews were sitting there expecting eagerly the arrival of the Messiah. They're thinking, when is he going to turn up and rescue us from this? Because the promises that God had made in the Old Testament of the Bible about the Messiah had led them to believe that he was going to be this kind of invincible warrior king. Stepping into the world stage to liberate them and to bring freedom for God's people. Isaiah chapter 9 predicts it in this way. It says, of the increase, speaking of the Messiah, this warrior king who's going to turn up and free everyone, of the increase of his rule and his peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne. David was a famous Jewish king. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. They were expecting the Messiah to arrive and be a kind of Alexander the Great figure, leading his armies to victory. They thought he was going to be some kind of Julius Caesar-type character to establish and control a vast empire, but with the added twist that it was going to go on forever. This was going to be a kingdom that wasn't going to rise and fall. This all-conquering king was going to be some sort of immensely hard Hebrew Jack Bauer who was going to turn up and nothing can stop him. And instead... They got a baby. We want someone to crush the Roman oppressors. Some of the Jewish people were rubbing their hands, waiting, it's going to be payback time on the Romans. And yet they got a baby. There was this great sense of expectation amongst the whole country because some of the promises in the Old Testament of the Bible... Uh, even gave kind of hints and indications as to when in time this Messiah figure was going to be. So people in the, in, the, in the state of Israel, the province of the Roman Empire of Judea, were looking around saying, "This it kind of looks like this could be the time. The, 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 the chronology's right, the political situation's right. And so there was this kind of widespread, grassroots kind of expectancy. Is he going to come? When's he arriving? What's he going to be like? How hard is he really going to be? Maybe He's even here now, maybe any day now, he's going to break out in his rebellion and we're going to see it come through. They were waiting, expecting, hoping, longing, not for turkey presents and a tree, but for the Messiah to arrive and liberate them. They were expecting Russell Crowe from Gladiator and they got a baby. How does that work? How does that fit? What's a baby going to do to the Romans? Throw nappies at them? Chuck his toys out of the pram until they agree to leave. How does a baby help when you're expecting an all-conquering, invincible warrior king? So we've had a twist. We've had a twist that we're waiting for the Messiah. We're waiting for an all-conquering king and we get a baby. We get a baby born to a poor family at the back of the pub. How does that liberate the nation and change everything The people waiting were looking for a four-star general. They wanted a SWAT team or the SAS, some kind of cross between Jackie Chan and Chuck Norris with matrix powers. That's who you need if you're going to liberate a nation. What you don't need is a baby. The Jewish people are waiting for action man, and they get a baby in a food trough in a shed. That can't be the solution. But God had always promised... That it was going to come through a baby. In the line, right before the one we read from Isaiah, it says this. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the authority to rule will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. He predicted that a baby was going to be born that was going to change everything. And in fact, it was always going to be even more different than we expected because just earlier on in Isaiah it says this, the virgin will give birth. She will give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel. When you get a virgin giving birth, you know it's always going to be different. It's always going to be some kind of special baby really, isn't it? And that's exactly what happens to Mary. Now obviously you've got a feel for Joseph in this situation, haven't you? Uh, So he's engaged to be married, so you're pregnant. Yeah, that's right. Tell me about it, because we uh, certainly haven't been uh, thinking about that, the children in the room. And Mary's reasoning? Well, an angel visited me and told me that it was going to happen. Sorry? Joseph's having a hard time. I mean, either this, the, either this is the feeblest excuse of all time, or this is an extraordinary miracle that's taken place. Which is why the prophecy in Isaiah, the line in Isaiah says, your virgin will be with child and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Which I, you know, initially when I first came across it, thought it sounded like a girl's name, not a guy's name. It turns out this is the guy's name that we get the Spanish name Manuel from, from Fawlty Towers, which again... That's not promising for a kind of a liberator, is it? This isn't an all-conquering hero. Here's Manuel to save the day. I have a hammer. It doesn't work. But the good news is, the whole point is the Hebrew, which this was written in, and the Hebrew, the word Emmanuel, which wasn't Jesus' kind of middle name or his other name. It was a prediction of what he was going to come and do. It means God with us. And this baby born to a virgin was called God with us because in Jesus' birth, God himself becomes human. God himself comes down to be with us. God himself comes down to be one of us and to connect with us. No longer distant, And kind of just a a concept. Is there a God? Is a philosophical idea a construct? Is it maybe an ultimate first cause? A vague topic for debate? God was no longer something for that. God came down in Jesus to be with us. To have contact with us. To know us. To relate to us. Not even a kind of a, a stern, distant, unknowable deity who sits up there running the cosmos. Because they said the baby will be called Emmanuel. God with us. The whole point of Jesus being born as a baby, was he was coming to bridge the gulf that exists between us and God. In Jesus, God himself was coming to the earth to enable us to reconnect with him and to know him. This is a different kind of rescue, isn't it? This isn't someone on a white horse, tooled up, coming to liberate the ethnic people of Israel because God's plan is much bigger than just breaking a little province of the Roman Empire away. God's plan is that he has come through Jesus to free us all, if we're interested, from our separation and our alienation and our own slightly stubborn rebellion against God. Jesus' birth, his life, his death on the cross and his resurrection was all part of God's bigger plan of liberation, which was to enable us to reconnect with God. That's the reason that we exist. That's what Jesus taught. It's the reason we exist is to know God and to relate to Him and to connect with Him. And yet we can find ourselves just kind of living just an ordinary life, getting on down here. The reason we exist is to know God, to know the real God who's really there, not a God of our kind of invention or to satisfy a vague philosophical or theological kind of inkling, but the real God who really exists and who made us to know him. That's what Jesus came to do. That's why, ultimately, nothing else really, finally, fully satisfies. Even Christmas. And we love Christmas. But Christmas arrives, and it's great. Or it's okay. Or it's disappointing. But it's gone. And all you've got left, maybe let's wait for another Christmas. Oh, if I get that present that I'm, hello, mate. If I get that present that I'm hoping for, then I'll really be pleased. And there are some great presents out there, aren't there? You know, you open up. There's an iPod, an Xbox, an iPhone. I'd love to get one of those on Christmas Day, just in case anyone still hasn't bought anything for me. And they're great, but they don't make your life brilliant, do they? They don't. They don't. They don't stop you kind of having that what's the point what am i doing what's this all about a nice a nice new jumper doesn't really cut the mustard an iphone doesn't cut the mustard can you even remember what presents you got last year maybe one or two if you've got an iphone you'd certainly remember that wouldn't you (laughs) or at least i would next year should anyone choose to But you see, the point is, these things don't satisfy us because we're built for something else. We're built to know God. We're built to connect with God. And that's what Jesus came to do. The missing thing in life is not another present, another experience, another Christmas, another relationship, another holiday, another promotion. It's another thing altogether. It's Jesus and connecting with God through him. It's what actually, deep down inside, We are all waiting for. We've covered a lot of ground for Christmas. We've seen that in the first Christmas. Actually, they've been waiting for hundreds of years. And yet they were totally, what happened was totally unexpected. Nobody had predicted it. I think this should remind us, if nothing else, that God doesn't show up always in ways that we expect. He didn't do it back then, 2,000 years ago, and he doesn't do it today. There's that little phrase, isn't there? God moves in mysterious ways which I always think reminds me of someone sort of walking suspiciously. The sort, you know, the sort of walk that you wouldn't want to do at airport security. He's moving in a mysterious way, isn't he? Let's pull him over, full body search. Here we go, uh, rubber gloves on. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born, lived, died, and was resurrected to rescue us and to reconnect us with God. Really, the reason that Jesus was born as a little baby, who's was growing up in the world, was so that you personally can reconnect with God that's the reason for Christmas and it's the reason for life it's, it's why we're here trying to muddle our way through the world and find out what, what am I doing, where am I going why am I here, what's the point point? and we can kind of mask those feelings and those dilemmas sometimes, you know with another slice of Christmas pudding, another helping of turkey you know watch another Bond film and another and another and somehow they just get worse don't they with the Bond films. Or we can just, or maybe the Bond films get worse. Although I thought the last one was all right. Although, although, maybe we just take a step back and think, well, hang on, instead of just moving on to the next thing and looking forward to something else and something else, maybe actually I need to investigate this a little bit more. If this really is everything it's cracked up to be, maybe it's worth checking out Jesus a little bit more. And I think. I think that would be a really, really good idea. If if you're kind of visiting with us and you're not used to church or you've got no real kind of strong idea of of Jesus or anything like that, I wouldn't really recommend checking it out. The reason is because I think you'll actually be surprised at what you find. I think you'll be surprised, first of all, to discover the strength of historical and documentary evidence that Jesus really existed, was really born at this time was a real man who said the things he said and did the things that he did. And his life and his death and the alleged resurrection from the dead certainly sent shockwaves out through the world. And I think you'd be surprised to dig in and find some of the facts and the basis for that belief. It's not just fairy stories and Christmas myths. And isn't it a nice thing to read while the snow's falling and the the reindeer are just settling on the roof? Oh no, that's bits made up as well. But to actually find that there's historical reality behind this. I think you would also be surprised when you check out Jesus a bit more to discover that it's not what you think. It's not about, well, aren't we all kind of, is it some kind of miserable religious Facade, and we spend, you know, and it is all about feeling guilty and feeling bad and not enjoying life. And we've got a whole lot of rules and rituals that we have to go through. That isn't really anything to do with real Christianity through Jesus. Real Christianity through Jesus is I get to know God, I get to connect with God. We get to talk. He makes a difference in my life and who I am. I get a peace, a fulfillment, a satisfaction, a meaning, a purpose in life that doesn't go away with the wrapping paper. And the bones of the turkey. But I find something that's authentic and genuine and real and works in my life. The start of my journey of connecting with God really was Christmas. I went along. It was um, this very church. Not this building. We've only been in here six months. But this very church 22 years ago on Christmas Day. I sneaked out. Didn't tell my parents where I was going. That would have been ridiculous, wouldn't it, as a teenager. Uh, Let alone if I was going to church. Because I'd met some people and I'd had some conversations and i started to check out the evidence and thought actually there's more to this than I expected. And so Christmas for me, it was the start of realising actually I think I've got this whole Jesus thing wrong. I don't think I really understand who he was and what he came to do and what it means to connect with him in this life. And I would just wonder whether for some of you guys this should be the start of maybe a time of checking out Jesus. And discovering he's not what you think. Sunday mornings are a great time to do that. You are all really welcome, if you want to check out uh, Jesus and Christianity a little bit more, to come and join us. We're here every Sunday morning, except this one coming up. We're here Christmas Day. Then we're not here Boxing Day, but then January the 2nd, we're back here. Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. And it is a really good place to come and check out Jesus, because actually, I think as well, you'll be surprised. And it's not what you're expecting. I have to say, these guys aren't normally here dressed up this smart on a Sunday. It's it's normally more drums and electric guitar and stuff. But actually, it's not going to be what you expect. It's not a room full of long faces doing our duty to God. You'll come along and you'll discover a room full of people who have unexpectedly and surprisingly discovered that Jesus is alive, that God is real, and changes lives for the better. Personally, I think it's worth a shot. You might be surprised. And I have to say, maybe in coming along you'll find a lot more, even now, than you expect. So you're really welcome to join us and to check it out a little bit more.